0: Hey. What up? Not good. much. How are you? I'm good. Just, uh, chilling on good. this
1: fine Labor Day.
0: Yeah, such as it is. Um, yeah, so our house has turned into a circus. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's fun, though. They're just at a point where, you know, they were shelter cats for like a month, and they're not used to like people. Right. We've had them since Thursday night, and they're at least at the point now where they'll come out of whatever room they're hiding in and just kind of look at us. And then, you know, if we make any sort of move toward them, they run away. (laughs) But eventually, we figure they'll, you know, I guess the key is to ignore them until they're used to the place enough where they don't freak out, Hmm. which kind of surprised me. I would think you'd want the opposite, but cats are cats that way. I suppose. There he is.
2: Hey. What up? Uh, I I survived, for anyone who heard our last podcast that I was on. Barely, but I made it.
0: Yeah, I I was expecting to hear stories of your car just kind of floating down the road in New Jersey at some point.
2: So I have a, a coupe that's very low to the ground. I have no idea how I made it, but I made it. And every other car got washed
0: away, so, yay. Nice. Okay, so, uh, welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Tonight I am joined by Josh Krubner.
2: I am uh, (laughs) Superman from the cover of Superman number 61, (laughs) 1992.
0: And our special guest who's on so much we might as well not even call him that anymore.
2: Hello,
0: hello.
2: He's our Tommy Oliver,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we are here in the latest installment of our back issue series, which we haven't done in a while, thanks to all the new release movies and stuff, uh, to discuss Superman time and time again. From I want to say 1991.
2: It's uh, it's from 1991, and then I found it, out today I didn't tell you guys about the whole uh, rundown of the trade. So it was, then it randomly <laughs> jumps into 92.
0: Yeah. I had read I had read Superman three before I guess. The cover I I already had it and I'd read it so it kind of
2: pressure there. But, uh um
0: I'm gonna kinda you guys drive this one. I to guys, so uh, we're
2: uh, John, your audio's going in and out, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's these headphones, I think.
2: You, you, got go. me now. Okay. you got
0: me now?
2: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one because uh, it was my my zany idea. I know this went back a couple of months. Um, for anybody who keeps up with our CW, we, we thank you. John and I are the big fans of Legends of Tomorrow. Not so much this season, but um, all the other seasons. And um, we were talking about, you know, good and bad time travel and just off the wall ridiculous <sighs> crap. And I mentioned, hey, we're doing this back-issue thing. I think the last big one we did was Maximum Carnage with Becker. And I said, you know, there's this Superman thing. I know you're going through post-crisis Superman. Forget about the masterful John Byrne era. Welcome to the shithouse fucking Dan Jurgens era. One day <laughs> they will put out Dan Jurgens Superman complete run, and I will buy every fucking trade the day it releases.
0: Yeah. I didn't think it was terrible. It's just, you know... I didn't know if maybe not having a lot of the context around it didn't help me or not. It's It was just kind of there. Well, so there's
2: uh, very little context around it, and I'll cover that. But yeah. I mean, the, the run is objectively terrible. Like, it's enjoyable. I, I find fun and amusement in it. But goddamn, like, the dude just ripped off Marvel every chance he had. Uh, first of all, there is no The Linear Man. I looked this up to be like, so was that like a proto Rip Hunter, and they just didn't have a name for him? No, that was Linear Man. Those are his only appearances. We never see him again after the conclusion or the initial conclusion, and uh, he was totally not cable. Wink, wink.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that, is what, that, is, that is kind of major cable That is kind of what he reminded me
2: of. Oh yeah, in '91 with the ponytail, and I mean, I think even said body slide at least once or twice. But uh, yeah. yeah, so to to set the stage, this is as I alluded to after the phenomenal John Byrne Superman relaunch, uh the reins passed to Dan Jurgens and Jerry Ordway, Roger Stern, who pretty much is good on action. Um, his action book, while trying to keep up the, I guess, cohesive uh, serial nature, they were always the standout stories, and they were either really good or they just felt really different. Um, so what they started doing in 91 was the best thing ever for seven, eight-year-old me, who was trying to read this week to week and also go for back issues, going as far back as 1988, um, they introduced this thing that we called the triangles and they put the year and then they would put a triangle telling you what number in the sequence for the entire year it was so the title that time well yes the titles at the time was adventures of superman which you had dan jurgens presiding over uh and that was actually our flagship book not superman action which you would think was was coming off of a real downturn at the end of the 80s. Uh, Action didn't go away, but it went to a syndicated anthology series called Action Comics Weekly. And there is some terrible fucking nonsense in that book, and there is some really just off-the-wall rarity. Um, For anyone who's a Green Lantern fan, in the old continuity, a random issue of Action Comics Weekly is when super evil star Sapphire Carol Ferris kills Jon Stewart's ex-wife. And it's like, if you weren't reading Action Comics Weekly, you wouldn't even know that happened. Um, so after that, it relaunched, and they really didn't know what to do with it. And there was a big push into the whole metaphysical at the time. You see a lot with demons, with vampires. Uh, there's another story coming up in early 92 we might get to at some point. It's a lot of fun. Um that started with Perry White's son and Jimmy Olsen went to a nightclub presided over by Blaze, who is a demon, uh, and she ends up killing Perry White's son. And we see a little bit of that thread in this book because all of the subplots, they're not even B stories, just fucking meandered for years. The only thing that Jurgens could write as a B plot was either fake Supergirl, which is the Matrix. Or Jimmy Olsen, and he would just put him in ridiculous outfits to try to recapture his Silver Age glory. Uh, the, the Whites try to be a focus of the story, and they just fucking go nowhere. They're, like, going to get a divorce. They're sad over the death of their son, and nothing happens. Um, there's this weird love plot with Jimmy Olsen and Lucy Lane, who is blind again. Um, they go off on a thing to fight vampires with Tim Drake and Superman. I think that issue came up either right before or right after this one. Then um, there's a, a huge, huge push towards fucking Bibbo Bogowski. And uh, he owns the Ace of Clubs, which, you know, you might remember as the uh, arena in one of the Injustice games. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's pretty much it for the background characters leading into this one. As I mentioned right before we got on the chat. Uh, This follows my favorite cover of post-crisis action, which is 662. And that's Clark has been engaged to Lois as Clark, but she doesn't know he's Superman yet. Uh, So he tells her in the cover, it says, you know, at long last, the secret revealed, not to be confused with the Alan Moore story. And uh, she's taking off the glasses. And in the reflection, you see that, you know, he's Superman. Superman. That whole issue is basically he's just... Telling her, like, I love you, but I need to be honest with you. I'm Superman. And to their credit, you know, this was, again, Roger Stern. It goes right into Jurgens. Uh, Lois is not like her Silver Age counterpart, who just always wanted to get married and was jealous for his attention. She's a little pissed off. And she feels lied to and led on. And uh, she doesn't really know what to do with this. So this story picks up with that. They're on the roof of the planet, I think. Um, and... So the linear man appears, and then there's a an explosion, and She's like, okay, we'll talk when you get back. back. And uh, for her, it's not that long With time window. For him, it ends up being was it several months or several years?
0: Yep. And wasn't the linear man originally there because he wanted to? Capture Booster Cold.
2: That's right. Yeah. Which Booster is Gold never brought is, up in. Uh, Dan Jurgens' favorite. And uh, Clark sees that Booster's like, Booster's back. And uh, as always, Booster is flying around with his force field and he gets shot or electrified. And he's like, oh, I got my force field up just in time. And uh, the Linear Man basically is like the proto time bureau in terms of the bureaucracy stance. Uh, And he's saying, you know, Booster Gold is is from the wrong time period, and uh, he does not belong. So he goes to intervene. Uh, He ends up startling a security guard and giving him a heart attack. And Superman comes on the scene, and he's like, I don't really know what's going on. I should stay out of this. And then when he scans the scene, he finds the dead security guard. And he's like, all right, I don't know what's going on, but this dude killed somebody, so fuck him. And that's when he gets involved. Hmm. Uh, so this picks up in, I don't have the issues in front of me because I'm driving, but this is Adventures of Superman, I want to say 648, 678, something like that, 76, I don't know. 476 uh, is no, when No, the starts. whole arc for this part is called Time and Time Again. Uh, so yeah, there's this altercation with the linear man who's totally not capable, and basically in every one of these stories there's some kind of an explosion, and the explosion mixed with, I guess, tachyon particles... Uh captures Superman and just slingshots him through time. Hmm. Yep. Um Which so what are your to- thoughts on just the first issue and, and going into this? Because this is something again I read when I was like I don't it's one of the first trades I ever had, and I still have the original. So I want to say it was like, you know, 92 when I got this. Mm-hmm. Maybe 93.
1: Uh first reactions were I was surprised that this was the first time Superman had met uh, the legion of superhero members that he meets. Yeah. I was like, wow. In 91, he still hadn't met. Uh, I can't remember which ones exactly, but I was like, I was just shocked at that, that he like hadn't met them yet. Um, I thought it was funny how, uh, okay. One other thing. Lois Lane has a total man of steel, Pulitzer Prize winning reporter moment in this issue. That did make me laugh where she totally drops the, I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning f- r- photographer that I found that funny, but, um, the issue was I thought it was okay. Um, I like how the you know the inciting thing for all this booster gold is almost instantly forgotten and like yeah. pushed to the side. like Linear man doesn't even seem to be concerned with him once Superman gets involved, even though he was specifically sent back to you know get booster.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, Dan Jurgens definitely had a hard on for booster gold. I believe right, investigation. Yeah. And he real like there was so you know, for anyone who doesn't know what we talked about Legends of Tomorrow, what the linear men are, they're basically like a superhero team that police the timeline and they exist or don't exist at a place called Vanishing Point, which is outside of time and space. Yep. And from there they either have, you know, a spaceship or a computer that is able to track like every moment in time. And if there is an aberration in the timeline, they're just able to go there and, you know, either try to fix it or try to further exacerbate it or whatever they're going to do. That concept does come in with later issues, but as of right now, this was the first mention of Vanishing Point. This is before the uh, Rip Hunter Time Masters miniseries. And, um, you know, this is just the linear man. And it could have just been, you know, like anything. it's kind of like when they first introduced the concept of the Time Bureau, and I know we had mentioned that a little bit on the uh, the Wokey review. Yeah, that
0: was something that we brought up, if I remember correctly, because it is kind of... The whole TVA thing is kind of similar to that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what you had mentioned, Josh, how Linear Man is... He's first introduced then, the Linear Men, like, as the whole concept is introduced later. Uh-huh. That's a good point, because I feel like... If you I guess in the context of when this issue was released, him going back in time to stop Booster makes sense, but with the context of like what the linear men do and like what their abilities are to see the future, I, I really don't see how the the entire setup for this issue even makes any sense really, given what we know about them later on, granted.
2: So Cause... one of the things that I will absolutely fault D C with and anyone who goes to me knows I'm a lifer D C and I will always give marvel constant credit is marvel knew how to do booking which you know i know everybody here is either a wrestling fan or passable one uh for anybody who doesn't know booking is the concept of bringing in new talent and arranging you know the matches but not just the matches the storylines and everything else and when you bring in someone new what you usually do is you'll put them on a tag team with someone who's already a fan favorite and well established which Marvel would do with spider-man they do it with Marvel team up which always fell back on spider-man um, and then usually they'd have like a run-in with the Avengers the X-Men or the Fantastic Four and then by the third time you've seen them like they're either in their own book or they've been in like five major books everyone has seen them and they just know to look for them in DC if they didn't show up in the pages of Batman They showed up in the pages of Superman, but they wouldn't get a passing reference in Justice League and Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, and anything until they showed up in an inevitable, uh, you know, annual crossover. And especially in 91, those didn't really exist yet. And when they did, they were fucking terrible because 91 was Armageddon. Um, So I don't even remember where Booster came from. I mean, Booster, Lobo, all these people, it's like, I'm guessing they were some 80s action or something like that i think booster might have been like 90 or 91 um his origin no, booster... was never really delved into like you know you you needed that again marvel did it great anytime a character would show up they would almost do like what the cw does on their their intros that people parody where it's like you know i'm so and so and this is what happened and then my life changed and now i had to become someone else but like every time you open up an issue of spider-man You would get that for Peter Parker, you would get that for uh, Speedball, The Prowler, you know, Monica Rambeau, anybody, if they were the focus of the issue. With Booster, it's like, I don't know who this dude is, and I don't know why he's hawking toothpaste, and he's just wearing this weird tracksuit. So from what I remember at the time, his origin didn't change much. He's basically a fake superhero who stole some future tech and went back in time to make himself famous, And then he lands in our present and tells everybody he's like from the future and he's famous and uh, give him corporate sponsorships and he'll be like the best hero ever.
0: Yep, you're essentially correct from what I recall. Even
2: that being played as a a joke or a meme, which arguably made him way more recognizable and way more popular with fans, um, that didn't even happen until basically that episode of Justice League Unlimited. And more in the uh, turn of the century, like well, he was on the Justice League, and nobody questioned it. It was just like, yeah, it's Booster Gold. He's one of these shitty Justice Leaguers of the time.
0: Right, but um, he was on the he was on the joke league though, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, he was on the Justice League.
0: No, the, the I mean uh, the the jokey one, like the '80s one that was all humor. No, oh,
2: no, no it wasn't it wasn't the '80s one. You're thinking of like I think probably Detroit, which is basically like Batman the Outsiders. No, he was on the '90s one which isn't basically an offshoot of JLI, but way more terrible. Uh, Mm. And they're the ones that went up against Doomsday, so everybody just remembers them as being the the jobbers for Doomsday.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I know at one one point, um, and this was in development for a lot of years, and I think it pretty much went away, uh, Sci-Fi Channel was developing a Booster Gold TV show that never went
2: That wouldn't surprise me in the least. Um, So anyway, back to the whole Booster Dan Juergens thing. Juergens, I guess Roger Stern to a point, um, really tried to do what Jeff Johns does, and he does it phenomenally, which is to take these obscure Silver Age characters and concepts and breathe new life into them. The way that Jeff Johns does it, though, is if you've never heard of them, he sets it up as, you know, this is something. I'm going to make it intriguing, and it's up to you if you want to see more, and typically people do. Uh, The most recent time that I can think he did that, where it really played well, I don't know that it ever went anywhere because I unfortunately stopped reading, was in Rebirth when he brought back Johnny Thunder and the idea of Thunderball. For anybody who didn't know what that was, the way they were just setting it up, like he was this dude in the nuthouse, he's talking about, you know, there was a happy time and there's superpowers and it's all locked away. People would be like, yeah, I want to see more of that with jurgens um he would just be like jimmy olson turtle boy And if you didn't know what that was you're like okay that's weird is jimmy Olsen trying to be a ninja turtle i don't get it um and, and like, <laughs> they brought back like the newsboy legion they brought back the uh jack kirby forever people um they brought back guardian and then unlike john's where again he would make stories around these people Jurgens just had this cast of characters, like he was filling out a Royal Rumble, and he had nothing for them to do. So they would just, like, show up in, like, every random issue, and it would be like, I'm Guardian, I'm Gangbuster, bye, and that was it. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, like, he learned on the fly. I think he got better towards the end of his run, but it's, like I said, it's, it's one of my favorites in terms of just being ridiculous nonsense in the then-modern era. Um, so to what Brendan was saying in the next issue, which I believe was action, or it starts with this issue, issue, uh, Superman does go into the 30th century and this is where in post crisis he meets the Legion for the first time. So I've always been a huge, huge Legion fan, um, in the eighties with right before crisis. And I think right after crisis, they just hit a continuity wall that was insane Um, basically the Legion had all (laughs) aged into like middle-aged adulthood they were in their like late 30s early 40s most of them were married a lot of them were dead Um, and they kept the book going and they kept that Legion going and then in the new timeline boy there was no Supergirl Um, you know Clark was much younger had a different power set and they tried to get rid of all these hokey concepts like multiple Earths and the Legion Superheroes. So this is the first time he's meeting them and we're like, okay, they're, they're coming back, kind of. Um, so like in the Silver Age, he meets the Core 3 Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy when they're teenagers. It's a completely different story. And there's, um, I don't remember if they were always on the moon or if he just, it looked like they just kept going back there. but they're doing something in space, he has to help them and there's an explosion um, and then throughout this storyline he keeps going back to their era and they keep getting older and older and then what happened mm-hmm. was they stayed with that older Legion through 1994 Zero Hour so there's like 70 issues of this older Legion that like most people didn't give a shit about, I of course have every one of them in Zero Hour Mark Wade brought in the Teenage Legion and just updated them off for 1994-95 and it's some of the best the Legion has ever been Uh, back when Mark Wade was able to write good books
0: huh
2: Um, but yeah so for this it's like it was cool if you knew who the Legion was if you didn't Um, they could have been characters and they were just kind of you know throwing whatever at the wall and seeing what sticks
1: Yeah, the Legion come off to me in this as super, super generic for the most part. I mean, I I love the Legion, and when you know when I saw that cover for uh, what is it, Action Six Sixty Three, yep, where he meets them, I was like, oh, let's go. Then uh, they, I mean, they're all so bland and boring for the most part in this. Uh, Like, no, like the personalities just aren't there for the most part, and I was like, oh, okay.
2: yeah and it's a shame because you know the action title was Roger Stern and you figure if any of these guys are going to really know the Legion it'd be him but he didn't really seem to give a fuck
0: hmm yeah uh,
2: so then we we really kick off the time travel journey and uh we we bounce back to the distant past with uh
1: dinosaurs
2: way on Superman I want to say it was like 53 52 I don't know um And yeah, we we, we go to the dinosaurs and they bring up another obscure villain, one who also featured on uh, Justice League Unlimited.
1: Yeah. And then uh, Ordway also, uh, before Dinosaurs, he goes to World War II. That's the first Ordway issue. Oh, that's the first one? I thought the Dinosaurs
2: was. Okay, I got the word.
1: No, Dinosaurs was by Roger Stern. I'm almost positive. Let me double check. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I, I did like the Ordway issue because I think he's just the best writer out of all these guys, personally.
2: Yeah, no, um, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I liked seeing how they bring up how Hitler has uh, what's his staff called that can, you know, showing how that's why the JSA weren't in the Second World War or really anything oh, for right, the most right. part. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's um, in the
2: past. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that was cool because at the time, the Spectre was, you know, volleying back and forth between like Vertigo and mainstream DC, and there was no Earth 2, so the JSA was just in our 1945, so they're all old as shit, or they're all mystically de-aged forever, which comes into play in Zero Hour. And um, so it was cool to see like the, the spirit of vengeance, hand of God Spectre trying to be the hokey 1940 Spectre.
1: Mm-hmm. And basically
2: yeah. Superman is aware of the JSA, but not the Legion. And, yeah, uh, that, that struck me as
1: odd. Like, what? Yeah,
2: the, the way that events unfold in the post crisis timeline is almost as weird as the um, new 52 with like five Robins in five years. Five but years, yeah. Nobody mentions it because nobody remembers it. But yeah, um, it all started with Legends, which is when they first saw Darkseid and a bunch of other people. And that's like the first time they meet Wonder Woman. And that's like 88, 89. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he, he goes into the past, um, there's a, there's a fun thing where he's basically in the circus and he's doing the Samson thing and the strong man. And they make mention of his costume being an old timey wrestling circus performer outfit. Uh, and then at some point he's like, all right, fuck this. And, uh, I'm going to go find the JSA. And right as he's about to like break into their meeting, Spectre is like, nope, go no further. And then he sends him to, uh, Nazi Germany.
1: Yeah, that, that part struck me as weird because the that that all happens in action 660 uh, 663 where he's in the circus and all of that and I just found it honestly I feel like Superman's almost out of character because he has some major like anger temper issues in this issue for like no reason at all like he's like punching like walls in his like trailer getting mad at people I'm like what the hell and the weirdest part to me is that like you said he like willingly stays in the circus for like two months like not trying to figure out what his situation is and I was just laughing like what like you're literally stuck in like the wrong time here why are you not trying to get
0: out of here yeah I did find that a little strange. Like, I,
2: I chalked that up to Roger Stern because like I said looking back on that whole era of action um, that is in character for Superman even if it doesn't mesh with the other books He's way more – he gets, like, injured. His costume is always getting fucked up. He's got a very loose – very short temper, a very loose fuse. And, um, yeah. So I don't know if he just, like, didn't like being on the book, if he was burnt out at the time, if he was trying to act out his own issues through projection. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that struck me as odd. Um, Yeah. Then once, I believe – Okay, I'm looking. The next is Adventures of Superman four seventy seven, uh-huh. which that's the one where he once again meets with the Legion, and it's like the whole Sun Eater thing. Yep. And this one, again, I I love the Legion of Superheroes, but for me, their issues were kind of the worst worst ones in this whole thing.
0: They um, definitely were.
1: First off, question: How the hell did Linear Man? They, they establish his his shits broken, and that's why you know. This Whole thing happened. How did he get back to his base? That's my first question. Um, and yeah, this one I just find just so generic. But oh, we gotta stop the sun eater from eating, eating earth or whatever like wildfire sacrificing himself, like just could not care less. The character's not developed at all, like for anyone to care, unless you previously knew who he was.
2: And uh, yeah yeah no absolutely so again this is testament of Jurgens didn't know the legion uh loosely knew some plot points and went with those and um a lot of his writing is just not fleshed out or all that good and you you have to fill in the blanks basically
0: oh was there was there a legion book at this time at all
2: yeah oh yeah okay uh, but like I said, so that Legion book at the time is the adult Legion that we see at the last time we see the Legion in this storyline.
1: Hmm. Uh. Well, don't we see them in the final issue, right? When he's yep. on the moon.
2: Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh. But like that entire Legion run is just them the whole time. They're that age.
0: Oh right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with Brendan. I mean, for me anytime they showed up and I do generally find them sort of interesting, but anytime they showed up in this it just ground it to a halt.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, I I agree and it's a shame because it's the Legion, but you know. Uh and then like it was weird because, you know, Superman's bouncing through time and I felt like Batman went to more, you know, time travel generic 101 uh eras during the uh return of bruce wayne final cru- yeah than
1: um, yeah
2: superman did in this story
1: oh i mean i'd put what grant morrison did so far ahead of this like not yeah. yet close like
2: yeah um,
0: yep i've read that too, and you're right
1: yeah for me overall i can't say i was that big a fan of this crossover but i did like the sec the penultimate issue by ordway where he teams up with a extra Etrigan, Camelot, oh, one those the Camelot guys. One. Yeah, that that was, yeah, a that fun was issue. good. I, yeah. I really like that, like Shining Knights in it. Yep. Um, yeah, and uh, one thing we haven't mentioned yet: there's this reoccurring thing throughout every single one of these issues, where it, it'll always cut between Lois contemplating, you know, what to do about, you know, being married to Clark, or I guess engaged to Clark. It'll then immediately cut to the LexCorp boardroom where they're trying to figure out what to do since Lex is not around at this moment. Do we try to find his son, or uh, who any other children he may have? Right. It, it Then always cuts to Jimmy Olsen and his girlfriend, who's and the, the, the running joke is that his mom has like walked in on them, like at because he's living with his mom, and she's like, oh, you know, totally butting in, you know, not reading the room. And this ran and this one dude in a bar in metropolis That's primo, yeah. uh yeah. yes yes and for me i found it funny like maybe the first or second time but they do this in literally every issue in the exact same order with the, like the exact same joke played out every single time and it, they all eventually get resolved in the final issue but i was like oh my goodness like why do i keep having to read the same scene in every issue
2: So I I completely agree. What's interesting to me about that, and like I said, these B plots are not even. um, It was like this weird, soft launch for what would become like the whole focus of his book for the next like year, year and a half, leading up to Death of Superman. Um, And he sets up this whole parallel that like Bibbo is going to be the new Superman's pal, and like Superman doesn't even give a fuck about him at first, and then like later they have kind of a begrudging respect. Um, there's the whole thing with Perry White and his wife, and then that just kind of goes away. Uh, And then they were trying to set Jimmy up to, like, be his own man and and move out and and make something of himself, and that never really goes anywhere. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah, so so then I I had forgotten to tell you guys about how the the trade ends with all the uh, actual linear men showing up. Um, but I believe we all did get to read those issues as well.
0: I did. I didn't find – you said there was a wave Rider section of that Legacy of Superman thing. I must have just blown right over it because I didn't see anything.
1: It's, it's the very last one. He's like yeah, watching the, the death one. of Superman happen.
2: Yep. Oh, okay.
1: Which huh. to me, Josh, what year did that come out?
2: It was Had like you- right after – uh, adapt to Superman, I think. okay.
1: Okay, that would make sense because 93? 90,
2: 93, yeah. Okay,
1: because my problem with that was the linear men can see the whole timeline. Mm-hmm. Wave Rider goes back because he, you know, oh my god, Superman dies. My whole thing was like, if he can see the whole timeline, how does he not see that Superman comes back alive like right after this? Exactly, I guess, okay, it hadn't been written yet, so okay, I guess I can excuse that.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: that was actually probably the thought the, that short story was the thing I thought was best written in this whole thing um, the whole like conversation about like the morals of interfering with the timeline he has with a who is it Ryder I actually thought that was really pretty well oh written. yeah no I,
2: I thought that was great um, you know so Ryder's for... like
1: well you know why don't we you know kill Hitler and you know save MLK while we're at it you know he's like you know we just can't mess with the timeline it'll mess things up too much you have to let it play out good or bad
2: yeah so uh to to set that up the way that they ended at least the trade paperback uh they jumped ahead almost a year or half a year into 92 and we have this new character wave rider uh and this is the second time we're going to see the linear men but the way that they're you would think that they had been around for like decades and everybody knew about them. it certainly felt like, no that way of, you know oh i met one yeah, of totally. the linear man uh linear Men, i'm previously.
0: Yeah. I did also um, find it funny how how much they changed their position on booster gold for no reason. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: They were suddenly like, oh, he's. Matthew Ryder. is Two people. He's the little blonde boy that is seeing the metal men and Superman trying to stop another explosion. Um, and then he's Wave Rider, and that's a different version of him. And I think this is when Wave Rider learns that, even though Wave Rider should know who he was.
0: Well, I think they tried to argue that he was from a parallel timeline than from yeah. where that kid was.
1: That's like what they tried to explain because ways, the
0: grown up writer was the grown up writer was one of the linear men.
2: Right. He's the leader, and then he's, he's the leader, married yeah. to uh totally not Gene Gray. Uh, Lurie Lee, and then Rip Hunter shows up eventually. I don't think he was in this one. He, he shows up later. Um, so they're the, the new time. time Masters, and it's it's basically like they were always the linear men. What are you talking about? Um, and we see that you know Matthew Ryder, as an adult, is someone who had been living circa 1993, 92, and he was like eight years old. And then this event happens where father dies and um he and wave rider are like reliving it and having different reactions to it and then this battle with superman the metal Men, and i think they're like containing an experiment or so i don't remember yeah. um and in like one timeline the contained by the metal Men, and it like douses young matthew rider with particles and he turns into wave rider uh, and the other one, I guess he just grew up fine, but then had an interest in time travel. It doesn't make any sense.
0: The, did, the, yeah, the, 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 did the particles also make him a whiny bitch? Yes.
2: <laughs> I, I think uh, Dan Jurgens in the early 90s made him a whiny bitch. Yeah,
1: they that, say he was also at the death of Superman, too, as a kid. This kid was at every big event.
2: Yeah, he was, he was everywhere. <laughs> and then again, at yeah. some point, like, bright 10 years in the future he's like that's it i'm dedicating my life to the study of time and even though i don't come from the future or highly advanced civilization i'm just gonna go join the linear men bye yeah
1: <laughs> yeah well john you yeah. said like the, their whole position about booster gold changed i found that so hilarious because in my mind the reason why it changed is you know go by the rules that dan jurgens establishes for the linear men how they operate Time and time again, like no longer makes sense because they would never go after Booster Gold because they would have seen the whole timeline where you know he was always it was always like part of the timeline that he goes back in time and just you know lives in the past. So it, it literally makes no sense that linear man would have ever gone back to go after him. So I, I really yeah. think Jurgen's like he, he rolled himself into a corner essentially. It's like, oh well, yeah, they just don't have a problem with Booster anymore.
0: And actually, you're right, what you just said supports that because I believe the exact terminology they use oh he we've determined that he's important to the evolution of humanity (laughs) leave him alone but like wouldn't you have known that right away so silly (laughs) yep like just read a couple Doctor Who scripts it'll all make sense you know I don't know but yeah I mean it's somebody who hasn't read a lot of this a lot of this era of stuff. Like I've read the whole death thing and the reign of the Superman and stuff. I mean, this is possible if you don't, if you don't think about the, the how shoddily written all the time travel stuff is. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's like Superman's method of traveling through time is that he just needs to always be caught in an explosion. And uh, yeah. <laughs> very clearly evidence that if he's not in an explosion, he's just going to stay wherever he is in time. yeah. Because, um, like, he stayed with the circus for months and other places for God knows how long. And then the final thing is, um, you know, he's with the Legion and Linear Man blows up the fucking moon and Superman's like, you know, that really happened and I would give anything back in my metropolis. And then he goes yeah. home and reunites with Lois and, like, that's the end of it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I was thinking more about, you know, how the, the linear men are supposedly what incites all this. And based on the stuff that Brendan's brought up, I mean, they they basically should have called them the linear morons because they just seem to have no no concept of how any of that stuff should work.
1: The, their mission is to not mess with the timeline. And through these, like, six issues, they mess with, mess with the timeline so much it's not even funny. I mean, the final issue, it, it, it's supposed to be what's his face <laughs> that blows up the moon. Um, What's the same uh, Daxamite or whatever? Oh, uh, it, en- it it ends up being Linear oh, Man. My, I, yeah, yeah, but it's Linear Man who blows up the moon. Yeah, so he's literally changing the timeline. Yep. Um, yeah, '90s Superman is hit or miss for me. Yeah, like I really like Death, uh, Re- Reign of the Superman. You know, taking leave some stuff, but this I, I
2: didn't like it. I thought it was kind of boring. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah it had some. Cool it's, uh,
2: it's definitely not the greatest. I figured cool been schlocky rom. Uh, yep, yeah,
0: like you know. as Brendan said, the uh, the issue with the demon was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. Um, if you want some good, and this series isn't done yet, but if you want some good, like modern Booster Gold, that Blue and Gold miniseries is pretty fun. Um, the The first issue basically is because it's basically a team up book with him and the Beetle and uh they basically the first issue is basically they go and save the justice league from something and then they go to offer Ted uh league membership after and they're like oh no just you booster sucks
2: <laughs> yeah i heard yeah. that was pretty good I'll, I'll probably check that out when it's done yeah,
0: um, yeah you might it might read well traded too i just with the with the comic pod i tend not to do that so
1: yeah, yeah. let's check that out I love yeah. I've always loved their back and forth
0: yep yeah, and like, that, that's the best part of it is them going back and forth like whatever they're doing is almost secondary to the
2: to the jokes oh yeah totally yeah um, so yeah next time we'll probably bounce back to Marvel or we'll, we'll do something else that's going to be more of a uh, all around qu- uh, I will say yeah, next well, time we do Superman the other thing that I had suggested, and I definitely pulled from the archive, uh, this one is, is not a disappointment, would be the death of Clark Kent, uh, but that's going to be a ways down the road.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'll have to give me issue numbers on that and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I will. Uh, cool. Uh, and as far as our uh, stuff we have coming up in the near future, um, I know that we, a couple of us saw Shang-Chi this weekend, which I loved. Um and I think Justin and I and my brother Tim will be reviewing that at some point this week. And we'll get that out. We'll get this one out, obviously. Um, do we have anything else we've been tossing around? Um, I do know that if my my local theater gets it, I'm probably going to go see that uh, Paul Schrader movie, The Card Counter, yeah, next week. I'm super excited for that. So if, if I do see that, there'll probably be a mini-review of that. Josh, I know you said you wanted to do Malignant. Sarah. Yeah, Sarah and I are,
2: are going to do a uh, return for Malignant, which is in theaters and on HBO Max. I don't know if we're going to hit the theater, but either way, we'll have a review this weekend. Um, and then we were bouncing through those real favorites. Uh, we had pushed off Terminator until Judgment Day, but Judgment Day has come and gone. So I am uh, <laughs> I am down to do Terminator whenever you guys want to get to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, should we do uh, we... Doom before the well, would... comes out. I I'm not watching the David Lynch one again. <laughs> nah. I'd sooner read the book in that amount of time than try to do that. And I like the book, but you know the yeah. Oh, I uh, watched
2: the David. I have the David Lynch Dune.
0: <laughs> Brendan, I saw that in one of those movie review sites, IndieWire, called the Villeneuve Dune a massive disappointment, and it made me kind of sad. <laughs> well, I mean.
1: It was written by David Alaric, who I can't... I don't agree with him on any movie, but...
0: Uh, yeah. We'll see. I, can
1: I, I mean, based on what I'm hearing, I'm, I'm even more hyped now. I can't wait, but we shall see.
0: Oh, the other thing that might be relevant to the show is, as of today, uh Venom 2 Let There Be Carnage was moved up to October 1st.
2: Yeah, and we were saying earlier that that happened for two reasons. Number one... Um, you know, we, we also were wrong because we figured we were counting Shang-Chi out. Uh, MCU is too big to fail. And obviously people just didn't have interest in the Black Widow movie. Uh, it did not fail. So based on that box office, they were like, yeah, let's see what, uh, Venom can do. And, uh, the other reason is they kept moving it. They kept moving it. Well, it was about to open against Halloween kills, which is also going to destroy the box office. It was I probably also right very in, uh, moving I... it up.
0: I also think it was very smart to put it before No Time to Die. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I mean, I I know that I know that the Bond movies don't do what they used to over here, but I feel like the last one, the last one with Craig, is going to get a lot of play. Um,
2: well, so I think it, was, it probably... was smart to put it before No Way Home because we all know that uh, you know Topher Grace's Venom is going to show up in that movie. Oh
0: God. <laughs> That's true. I guess they could do that, couldn't they? They're I certainly I don't what
2: happens now. It was a joke. They're certainly, everybody drag-
0: they're <laughs> certainly dragging everybody else out for it. Uh, they oh, certainly yeah. could do that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. This has been fun, gentlemen. Uh, was there anything else we wanted to bring up? Um, I finally read right?
1: that Comic Three Jokers. Didn't think it was that good, but. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was. That was such a good idea. And then, the, if you're if you're trying to read it as it was coming out, I mean the delays were awful. Like I had almost kind of forgotten about it by the time it was finished. Oh yeah. But, uh, uh, I, wonder was, I wonder if it was. read better if I read it all at once. I I, can't I, I
1: read it. all at once. Amazing character work with a uh, Jason Batgirl, and I, get, I I'd say Joker to a point. Um, but overall, I, I would say this decently written. Just some creative decisions I don't like, and there is a moment with Red Hood that really rubbed me the wrong way.
0: Uh, yeah. First issue. I'm still bummed they killed off the Red Hood. Yeah,
1: I just um, it was like one of, if not the last thing Jeff Johns wrote for DC. I would have much rather he had gone out with finally writing a uh, Rise of the Seven Seas. Which we
0: never yeah, got. Yeah, that kinda went away, didn't it? Or did that, yeah. or did that turn did into that ground thing that they did a couple years ago? Maybe, but I was based on
1: like how he had originally sold it, I don't think it was what Yeah. He he was gonna do, you know you know, he's a great writer, but he's definitely got his formula of, you know, bring back all the Silver Age stuff, make it simple. Make yep. the whole thing revolve around the number seven, seven speedsters, seven rings of power, seven members of the Shazam family. I'm sure there are going to be, you know, seven bears of the sea power in Aquaman.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. As Josh loads a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. On that note, cool. I'm going to. I think I'm going to wait a day or two to post this one because I didn't set up the draft for this one, but we'll get it out. Sounds good.
1: good.
0: All right, boys. Later. Talk to you guys later.